Welcome to Truth Jihad Audio Visual. I'm Kevin Barrett, bringing guests from all over the world with uncommon insights into all of the crazy things that are going on that aren't being reported by the corporate mainstream media. Today, I'm back with my alter ego. That is Kevin Barrett in Morocco. That's right. Kevin Barrett is already in Morocco. Wait, did he move early? No, the other Kevin Barrett, the, the one who's been, who's smarter than me and got out earlier. <laughs> hey, welcome. <laughs> K. Barrett Bilali, a.k.a. Kevin Barrett, the other Kevin Barrett. How are you doing? <laughs> Hey, thank you, brother. And yourself, salam alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salam alaikum to all of your, uh, to all of you and yours, and and to the great nation of Morocco that I intend to join shortly, <laughs> inshallah. Yes, yes, it's waiting for you. Okay, I, I'm, waiting for, I'm open arms with open arms. Yes, and I'm waiting with bated breath to jump into its open arms. Well, so Kevin, you just published this uh, powerful article, and you know more controversial than some of your stuff. Uh, you've been known to to do these beautiful nostalgia articles about the disappeared America of your childhood, uh, and I really love those. But now you've got a provocative one that might actually piss a few people off. It's called the unmanly lynching of Andrew Tate, and you point out that Andrew Tate the kickboxer turned entrepreneur who came to Islam recently, apparently. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, yeah, he got, he got arrested not long after coming to Islam, charged with human trafficking type offenses. And Actually, not, not even charged. He's still not charged? No, there's no charge. There's no formal charges. That's what's pissing me off. So, anyway. so Wait a minute. How, how long has he been held with no charges? Well, he was arrested on December 29th and locked up. Um, I think the government or the police in Romania were investigating a crime uh, since April of that year and of last year. And now he's under house arrest until this to this moment. That's uh, what, almost half a year of. Yeah, he's three months in lockup jail. And and since um, March in two months, three months, almost three months, he's been uh, in. under house arrest that's pretty crazy and yeah. it's so uh when a uh, a black person is arrested for looking like they're the reason that the real reason they're arrested is their political views and their speech activity uh normally you might think that our media would get upset about it right if this happened in a country that we didn't like like russia or iran or something like that uh they'd be all over it um, but yeah, I don't really see somebody that is not um, not in the swing of um, the the woke culture that we're underneath under these days. So he's uh, expressing himself in a different manner, in a different way. And um, he has the freedom to to speak. I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, I admire him because I admire him. He's a man. He's a man who handles his business. He's built his life. He has a fascinating history. And um a fascinating connection as as an African-American uh, whose mother was British, who was raised in England, who, you know, gained a, a tremendous amount of wealth through hard work and perspicacity, as he would always say. I, I, if I if you if I may, I just wanted to start why as to why I wrote the story, because it's not only about Andrew Tate. It's um, <clears throat> it's about uh, my city of Newburgh, New York, where I was the city historian for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was I happened upon a conversation that was uh, being had on Facebook between some historical people I, I knew. 
And they were talking about in Port Jervis, New York, which is on the other side of the, the county of Orange, New York. Uh, there was a man who was lynched uh, for the alleged crime of raping a young woman named Lena McMahon. And I mentioned that the same similar situation occurred in Newburgh. Now, there weren't too many lynchings in the north um, per se, but these were early lynchings. The one in Newburgh was in 1863, and the one in Port Jervis was in 1892. And uh, I had mentioned this, and they said, oh, yeah, we had known about this because last year during Black History Month, the governor there, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, she had a, a commemoration and a, a big memorialization of these, of this, uh, this what they called a great act of injustice uh, in terms of the lynching of two men, two black men for allegedly raping uh, an Irish girl in one case, I guess they were both Irish girls. And um, I read the articles and I was a little bit horrified. Number one, um, Yes, there was, and I mentioned a, a lynching is an injustice because you don't have your day in court and you don't have a, a, a legal process and it's an uncivilized act, just as bad as hanging horse thieves, okay? And also there was two young ladies who, if they're to believe, be believed, uh, were possibly raped and suffered a great injustice as well. And the sign that they were going to use and put up, which I think the local historical societies put up themselves, it says a great injustice is recognized. Mm. And something about this whole process and now the mindset of, of how black people in the past were persecuted and lynched, and this is true, um, uh, and there's no justification for lynching, uh, but if a crime was had occurred, uh, I have to reason and understand that people can be upset enough to hurt somebody else as a result. Um, I'll give you a story, a little side story here. You're coming to you're coming to Morocco, and you're going to uh, live here, and things are different here, right? People do things differently here. I came upon a situation where a woman had been struck by a car in Azru, Morocco, and she was killed. And I immediately got there at that moment. I didn't see it, but I saw it like a minute later. So I found the guy that hit her and I saw the car and what he had done, the, the damage done to the car, and he started to drive off. So I thought, and I told him, no, no, you have to wait here. Because in our culture, you wait at the scene of a crime, no matter what. You can't just hit somebody and leave. So he stayed, yeah. that's called a hit and run in our, in our society, American society, Western society. But the man was there and he walked into the crowd and I'm now trying to direct traffic around this poor woman that had been killed. And I look back into the crowd and he disappeared. Okay. Now, I said to the, the guardian de voiture, the man that was there with me, where did he go? He's, he has to stay here. He has to stay here based upon my thinking. But he went. And when the people came, the, the, the um, what are the people that pick up the um, medics? The, the medics came to pick up the body. I asked them, I said, Why did, where did this guy go? He left. He says, no, 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 no. Here in Morocco, 
if you hit somebody, if you hurt them or kill them or whatever happens, you walk or you go directly to the gendarme and you go there and you report exactly what happened. You can't stay at the scene. I said, well, why can't they stay at the scene? Because the people will get so emotional, they may hurt him, if not kill him. Because if you're a family member and you see your mother, and this mother, she had one son, and you see, and she sees, the, the people in the family see the man who killed their mother, their emotions will overcome them, and they will hurt him in the middle of the street. And another crime will happen. It's called a lynching, no? Mm -hmm. okay so if that's an accommodation for the the culture here and the anger that people have i'm not trying to justify lynching in america by no standard or no means but this lynching and this commemoration took place and my point was that maybe there's two women who are also the victims of a very 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 high level of injustice mm -hmm. That's right. And that's why we have procedures um, with uh, you know, the, the trials, investigations, trials, and so on, uh, legal procedures. And we're supposed to be a society under the rule of law. And all societies should be under some form of rule of law. There are all sorts of different variations in legal systems. But it's normally, I would think, in no society is it good for um, violence to be perpetrated without a, the kind of reasons that come out in in legal systems and and so i i think your your point that there's an injustice to andrew tate when he's just locked up without any charges for all of this time um and a suspicion of course is that it's because of his ideology and the views the political and social views that he expresses uh exactly and, and that's yeah, that's yeah. how i got to andrew tate because the same people here who are are could be um Memorialize, memorial, doing a memorial for someone who, yes, unjustly killed, uh, but also could have committed a crime. In the case of Andrew Tate, there is no crime. There are no witnesses. There are no victims. There are nobody. There's not woman of all the hundreds of women. I'm sure that he's come in contact, uh, being a man of substance himself. Um, there have been no um, uh, charges. No complaints, nothing, just an investigation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that investigation has had caused him to be locked up and caused him to be to, to lose his freedom. And as an African American, uh, I mean, I'm a true believer in my freedom. I don't do things to get myself locked up. I don't mm -hmm. go out and smoke joints in my car and carry a gun. And after the police stop me and and I'm fighting with them and they knock me on the ground and say, oh, what did I do? What did I do? You know what you did, okay? You did something wrong. And I think as an African-American, all black people should stop and think about what they're doing mm -hmm. that could possibly be creating a disrespect for themselves, okay? Mm -hmm. in that's, this case, that's, a, that's another interesting point, isn't it? That my sense is that, that there's an inverse relationship almost between the public awareness of police brutality and un, unjust police killings and the number of such killings. That is, back before the ubiquity of cameras, uh, when nobody knew about this, except people like me, <laughs> and I was, uh, I, I used to be shooting my mouth off about police lawlessness uh, quite regularly. 
I got thrown off jury duty once for doing that. <laughs> uh, well. And I experienced police lawlessness the hard way once. Uh, but I knew about it even before that happened. There was a lot of it back then before cameras. And I think that now that there's, there are cameras everywhere, it still exists, but there's less of it. And these cases that have gotten people so excited, in many cases, these were not totally innocent people who were minding their own business and then just got brutalized by police. They often were people who, to some extent, did bring it on themselves, uh, had played a role in what happened to them. And so, yeah, that, that's another interesting point. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that language, bring it upon themselves. Um, I'm going to it's I understand what you're saying, but it would be better to say people who do not follow a lawful order. If mm. the police tell you to put your hands behind your back, you have to do that. You don't have to say, well, why? What am I? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Well, if the police officer says, get off of the sidewalk and stand over here, you have to do it. Stand behind. This is a lawful order. It could be for his protection, your protection, or whatever. And, you know, what's amazing to me, and I always say this, homeless people never get beat up by the police. They they seem to be out of their minds, but when the police tells them to do something, all of us, I mean, they, there's, they may be out of their minds, but they always comply eventually. Most of them. There may be a few exceptions, but yeah, I take quite, quite well taken. Yeah. Some exceptions. Because there's some within their sanity, insanity, there is a little bit of sense that, okay, this is a man with a gun and a badge. Let me at least follow what he's saying so I can go home or I can stay here and get drunk or whatever it is he wants to do. Or if he doesn't want to stay there, he wants to get locked up so he can sleep off his whatever he's had, he, he will confront the police and do enough just to get himself uh, taken out, taken away. But... I think that it's very important that in our society that we have some level of compliance with the police order. The police say, do this. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. You just do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Course, thank you. Bye -bye. Yeah, and you go home and everything is good. I think there, there's a gray area when the police order is uh, perhaps if, if it's irrational, uh, uncalled for and so on, but uh, pushing back against it with great emotion and in any way that could be construed as threatening to the officer is obviously a very bad move. Of course. And, you know, and he's there in all officers. And I've trained a lot. I did did training. And when I was in Newburgh, I was the director of the Human Rights Commission for Orange County. And even as a, a diversity consultant, I mean, police officers have a, one number one rule is that they want to go home at night and they want to go home at night without a scar on their face without a knife in their back or in their chest or without, you know, or, or have to stay in the hospital to take a, a bullet out of them. They, they simply want to live and their lives and their, their, their sense of wholeness is important to them. And it should be important to us. It should be important to the people that are fighting with them or disrespecting them or doing whatever they want. I mean, I find it to be uh, highly uncivilized that, we can't have a society which in which you respect the police and respect the lawful order and respect the the order of things you know mm -hmm. if you don't you have anarchy and that's yeah. what i think we're, we're going in america right now yeah i i agree i agree and we're losing the sense of being a society under the rule of law in many ways there's at, at the street level uh, that we're talking about right now but also at the level of people like andrew tate 
being held without charges. Ultimately, he's probably a political prisoner uh, in a sense. Um, and then Donald Trump is the victim of lawfare that, you know, I'm not particularly sympathetic to Donald Trump, to say the least. I've said some very okay. harsh things about him. However, uh, I have to admit, I read this latest indictment and it didn't strike me as very strong. I mean, if, uh, uh, the other case, the, the case where the woman was suing him for alleged rape, but she doesn't even remember which year it was, was it 1995 or 1996? And they had to suspend the statute of limitations specifically to bring this case forward. And this woman has absolutely no corroborating evidence. It's purely her word against his about something he says he doesn't remember, which it seems quite plot possible. That case strikes me as as so absurdly weak that it almost as if it were orchestrated for to give Trump publicity, to make people sympathize with him, to say, hey, Trump, you know, when when you whine and complain about being persecuted and how everybody hates you and they're all beating on, up on you for no good reason, looks like they're right. <laughs> and then this latest uh, indictment about the, the boxes being left in the wrong place and how these terrible national security secrets were blah, blah, blah. You know, you compare that to the behavior of other ex-presidents and so on. You really have to say, if this is the worst that Trump has done, he certainly can't be the Mr. Evil that they're telling us he is. Well, you know, you're right. This 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 um, article I wrote was just before uh, uh, President Trump was uh, uh, indicted, seemingly. And uh, there are a lot of um, parallels to the to the case. Um, the, the Tate's not, you know, they're being persecuted for their public statements, standing on a public, you know, their, their public statements are based basically that men need to be stronger, uh, that we, that men need to take charge of their lives and build their wealth, build their bodies and build their minds. Okay. Um, and then for Donald Trump, you know, he's, trying to make America great again. He's trying to bring civility and law and order back to the United States of America. He has a, he was there in the presidency and it seems that the whole, we call it the unit party or the whole system of, of uh, control from the media, the universities, the institute, the high schools, the, all the school, the whole system is against him because they're going in a different direction which is not making America great again. And um, they, they, the, the fact that they can get away with raiding his house in Mar-a-Lago and indicting him in New York, as well as a federal indictment, they, they have no boundaries. They have no, uh, no um, moral compass to say, this is enough. Let the man run for office unencumbered by a legal process by the administration that doesn't want him to run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it looks really bad. And those of us who've investigated some of the scandals, not just the well-known ones, but the sort of scandals that the mainstream doesn't want to talk about involving previous presidents would look at this, you know, we look at this and say, wait a minute. Okay. Here's Lyndon Johnson who conspired in the assassination of his predecessor, who oversaw the slaughter of American sailors on the USS Liberty, the killings of 34 and uh, uh, woundings of mo most of the rest, and with the intention of killing them all, who gave the order, I want that goddamn ship on the bottom, uh, the order to kill all of those sailors, uh, and then conspired to cover up the whole thing 
And I could go on about Johnson, uh, who's a suspect in many murders and other crimes, um, uh, theft of of, of gold. Uh, uh, I, this guy was was a, just an absolute criminal. And, you know, he probably wasn't even the worst. I mean, we could get into some of the other presidents, too. But when you look at you compare that to Trump and to me, you know, I see you, you, you basically admire Trump and I don't so much. I mean, to me, he's he's very egotistical and is more interested in his own interests than in the interests of the country. However, I will admit that he's sort of an idiot savant with a genius for channeling a certain kind of well-justified populist discontent. So I have a more sort of, I would call, say, call a more nuanced and ambivalent view of Trump, I think. But at the same time, I have to admit that this lawfare against him, uh, given its historical context, is just, it's obviously political. I mean, how could anybody not admit that these are political prosecutions? Well, what I like about Trump is that he's indefatigable. He is, yeah. <laughs> he is, yeah. he that's true on constant movement. And I was in politics before, and I had, I remember when I had a a, a hit piece or a very negative article written about me um, when I was a, a diversity consultant working with a local school, <clears throat> and um, I didn't cross some T's and dot some I's in my report, and it hit the newspaper. Okay, and you know, it, it it hit me so hard because I've always had nice pieces. I was this, da da da, da and I was politics, and I was. And when they hit me hard, it was like a rock in my in my my gut. It's like someone had kicked me the whole for like a couple of days. Okay, the shame and the pain and all this. Trump has had so much thrown at him, and his positive mindset, his his never give up mindset, is kind of like. Uh, 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 Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew Tate is why depression. You can't live with depression. So he he had the one guy that said, uh, "I'm depressed, Andrew. What should I do?" He said, "Go get a six pack, not a six pack of beer. Go to the gym, work out your body, get a six pack in your abs, and you'll feel much better." And most of us, and I've been exercising a lot because of people like this. I exercise my physical because of Andrew. And my mind, because of uh, Donald Trump, to be able to be everything more than than just where I am right now. I mean, Trump is 76. He hasn't missed a beat, doesn't miss a beat. Andrew Tate is like 30 something, physically strong. He could just continue on and on and on. Because in this life, if we don't continue on and on, we just fade Mm -hmm. because we're getting older. So we have as men, we have to be stronger. We have to be more um, challenging and challenged to ourselves. And, and go the extra nine yards and become the indefatigable man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's something uh, that is quintessentially masculine about a certain kind of, uh, of dogged persistence in the face of adversity. I guess women, of course, have uh, are, they, they're able to bear a lot, um, childbirth being a classic example of that. But uh, the way that Tate and Trump do it definitely has a classically masculine edge which it seems like is not really approved of in the culture these days it's there seems to be an anti-male anti-masculine bias in the culture uh and feminism is cool masculism like andrew tate's is not well both of these gentlemen are being lynched because they're men and because they express their manhood and because they are the strongest versions of themselves they cannot i mean 
Donald Trump is out there still hitting a golf ball, you know? He's 76 and he he knocks him out in, into the into the fair way. Um that's that's their biggest sin, being men. And mm-hmm. uh at this point in my life, I'm I'm seeing that. I'm seeing the 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 hypocrisy of of and the and this and the danger of making men smaller. Okay. I'm not talking about making trying to uh push women down. I'm talking about ra- rising men up and rising uh manhood as, and masculinity and responsibility as part of our lives. And and I, I think that uh you know that's the best red pill for a man to be able to, to come to grips with whatever he's done in his past mm-hmm. and become a better uh version of himself for his future. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do, of course, have uh, an issue with Trump's version of masculinity and Tate's probably too, based on what I know about him. Although what I know about him, I guess what I know about both of them could be somewhat wrong. But I, in, in Islam, we have a pretty strict uh, sacred regulation of our masculine sexuality. And the deal is you don't get access to a woman's body unless you marry her, which means that you're basically pledging to take care of her financially and in every other way to protect her and any offspring that may result from the marriage. And in exchange for that, you have exclusive sexual access. And that's uh, basically the, the, the family basis of all civilized cultures is that children need to know who their father is. And then that father has the duty to protect them. If we don't have that kind of civilization, then men rape and pillage. Why wouldn't they? So well, as, for, as for Trump, I mean, there are men and they have different levels. There are men of power and Trump and Tate are men of power. And sadly, so they uh, get four wives. <laughs> well, they, they, there's a limit on in, in Muslims to have four wives. And one is best if you only knew. And I know now yeah. one is best. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, <laughs> for the for, for the for the sake of um of clarity, uh, Donald Trump is not a Muslim, and uh, but he almost is there. He doesn't drink alcohol. I don't know if people That's know that. That's a good that. start. But that diet coke is is not is not such a great substitute. Uh, it's, it doesn't take away his uh, his brain capacity. Uh, you know, maybe his physical capacity. And as for Andrew Tate, he has just become Muslim. I think he has maybe more than one wife as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I don't like as you said that he always talks about. You know, going out and being with women and having sexual relations, which are illicit and a danger to his wives, it's and highly irresponsible. And I can only just say, Amr, you know, Amr Maruf, you know, inshallah, he will become more strict and more clear about his uh, his uh, his sexual uh, contact and only stay with his wives. Mm-hmm. Inshallah. Right. So uh, he would seem to be on the right path, at least. But his real sin here seems to be not so much promiscuity at least in the eyes of the mainstream they don't care about promiscuity the mainstream has they love promiscuity what they and they, and they love to break down the uh, traditional family-based restrictions on sexuality and make sexuality as far divorced from reproduction and the natural family as it could possibly be so what they don't like about him isn't that what they don't like about him is his masculism or whatever you want to call it his advocacy that men should be men and that being a man is good and that seems to be absolutely taboo in today's world it's bizarre why is that 
Yeah, in my article, I do mention, you know, because I, I, I try to stay balanced. I mean, he has some said some things uh, regarding women, which are, uh, are not very um, tenable. It's not, you, I can't support it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you, you just have to shut up and just handle your business. But, you know, he, both both of these individuals who are, for, for better or for worse, are using both negative and positive publicity to build their base, okay? And uh, it seems that the more negative publicity Trump got, I mean, I told you about I got kicked in the in the gut and it hurt and that I was like wounded. OK, the more they the more they get, the more negativity they get, the stronger they get, the more. And we know in marketing and in everything else, uh, attention is attention, no matter it's positive or negative. And people are going to act upon that. They're going to hate you or love you. Both of them are 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 moving factors. Uh to make people to make a change and to to see you or to take a decision to join you or to whatever it is that that they that you're trying to get them to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, another thing about Trump is that he got elected uh, by beating Hillary Clinton. And of course, the feminist left lined up behind Hillary Clinton very strongly. And I know I actually have a family, a female family member <laughs> who kind of buys into certain aspects of feminism, who was really upset by Trump's victory. And I'm sure she wasn't the only one. I think there's probably, that's one really? of the factors, one of the reasons that Trump was treated, you know, his presidency was basically treated as illegitimate from day one, was that he does have that kind of old-fashioned uh, male energy. And having beaten this woman who was the great hope for being the first female president, probably pissed off a lot of people. I think the greatest sin of Donald Trump is to, to be an elitist who, who funded the elitist and then get elected as a populist. Mm -hmm. he, he, he shifted his energy and said, listen, I'm going to get this mass of people and I'm going to expose what the elitists do. I was a member of you. I was a member. I, I funded your campaign, Hillary Clinton. I was there. I've been around you. All of you wanted to have me over for dinner to invite me to your parties, your fundraisers. And now um, I've, I've told all the people what you're really about. And, and I'm going to make America great again because you guys just don't have the efficiency to do so. I funded you hoping that this Donald Trump, hoping that you would make America great again, but you didn't do it. So now I had to step up to the plate and run for president and he won. Mm -hmm. And just my little prediction for, the, for, for a moment, there's no way that the system, you see how they can take a man and put him in prison without any charges or without anything, okay? And no one says boo. You see, Donald Trump has been indicted twice. He's been, his house has been raided, violated. Imagine that, the FBI, the police going into your house and, and going through your personal stuff. That's a violation for any American, okay? But I would predict that Donald Trump will never see the White House presidency again. Because the power of these people and the, they, they won't stop at anything. Okay. And I know that's a, a strong prediction. Uh, everybody is, wants him to be the, he, he'll be the nominee, but there's no, he didn't, it didn't happen in 2020. It's not going to happen in 2024.
Okay, well, there, that's the prediction. And I, I hope you're wrong. I, I would love to see the 2024 election be RFK Jr. versus Donald Trump. It would be the first time in my lifetime that I had any mainstream candidates uh, will, worth voting for. I think I would vote for RFK Jr., but I would think it would be pretty cool to have the other option be Donald Trump. You know, both of them, for instance, are calling for an investigation into the link between vaccines and autism, which is a really important issue. And they both are obviously challenging the establishment. So if that happens, inshallah, I'll say, hey, you know, maybe I, I left and went to join you in Morocco too early. Uh, but as you say, I think the odds are very strongly against that, uh, to say the least. Uh, Trump, however, has such a base of support in his party that it's hard to see how they're going to stop him. And I, it's, it is interesting that Trump is being persecuted now around these uh, boxes of national security secrets that he supposedly took, showing that his lack of respect for the permanent deep state that runs the country dictatorially through its connections with the U.S. empire, which has superseded the old republic, right? So we, we, we're an empire now. We create our own reality, as Karl Rove said. Yeah. And the people that run the empire are not the people elected by the voters anymore. There's a permanent deep state government that consists of the National Security Council, policy wonks, the military and intelligence bigwigs, uh, and some of the think tankers. And, and those people, uh, and some of them may not be very visible to the eye, uh, the heads of you know the secret um, Central Committee of the CFR and the Bilderbergers and such people like that. There's a, a group, a, an oligarchy that has a certain informal power structure. They're the ones really running things. And so that deep state, they want everybody to respect the way that they classify millions of documents. They classify everything important and, and a huge amount of unimportant stuff is all just constantly classified and you'll be theoretically sent to prison if you leak it, except the people who are allowed to leak it, leak it like crazy for their own political objectives. And here comes Trump, who's an outsider to this deep state and even an, an opponent to this deep state. And so now how are they trying to get him with their lawfare? Well, first they dredge up somebody who can't remember what year Trump supposedly raped her and has no evidence. And then the second thing they do is they go after Trump for having some boxes with some classified material in it because they all know that, you know, it's so important that all our classified secrets have to be classified. Uh, again, it's, it's, it, it really um, illustrates something about these, these people who are going after Trump, that this is what they're going after him for. I mean, if he was as horrible and criminal as they tell us, uh, couldn't they get him on something worse than, you know, slightly, you know, tra tax returns that have to be adjusted? Or, you know, somebody claims they raped him, you know, 30 years ago, I can't remember which year it was. Or, uh, oh, he, he he's an ex-president who had some classified material in some boxes in his house. And the world's going to end if anybody, the wrong eyes, happen to see some of that stuff. Uh, it, it's almost like it's being scripted by somebody who wants anybody with their eyes open to feel sympathy for Trump. No, I, I, I mean... Yeah, I guess there could be some sympathy for Trump, but it doesn't matter because the majority of the people that that dislike him are are justifying the acts. That, and that's another thing about my article, that you don't have to be a part of the mob. You don't have to hang somebody in a tree. But if you are, are, are compliant in allowing somebody to be uh, lynched and without any uh, evidence, without any trial, 
you are part of the lynch mob. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all the people that if they said that, and, and it's an interesting thing, I'm, I'm a journalist for, by training. And every time I hear that people say Trump took the documents, Trump stole the doc, Trump had the documents and he, he he's, and in other words, uh, alleging that he actually, not even alleging, saying that he actually committed a crime. Okay. Right. In by my, having in documents, my, yeah. In my universe, uh, you you don't commit a crime, or you're not you're not guilty until you're proven guilty. You're innocent until proven guilty. But the whole, the media, the 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 people have in their mind that he's guilty already, just like they have in their mind that that Andrew Tate is guilty and his brother Tristan are guilty already. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they could they, come they, after us, you know. The, First they exactly. came for, a, for first they came for the kickboxers and then they came for the ex presidents and exactly. who who could it be next? Well, you know, you know, was... I, we're 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 gonna have to leave it there, I think, uh, because I just realized my next interview is coming up as of five minutes ago. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed this. I needed I needed a, a moment to speak on a public issue, and I really uh, appreciate you giving me this forum to do so and this platform to do so. Well, well, thank you, Kevin. I. I appreciate your courage in taking this on. I mean, this is, you know, this, this is, is defending Andrew Tate and uh, talking about these things in this way. It's all, it's becoming more and more politically incorrect. It's probably a good thing that you're in exile. And I don't think they're going to extradite you for saying these things because I'm going to keep saying things like this after I'm over in Morocco with you too, inshallah. Well, thank you. I God really, bless. Thank <laughs> you. I read the day when I come back to New York and I get arrested just for speaking out on a public issue. It'll be okay because it'll be all over then. Take okay. care, brother. Okay, take care. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you. Bye.